In the holy name of Jesus, amen. You ever been into, in a room with an 800-pound gorilla? It's tough to ignore. And if nobody addresses it before long, it's probably going to hurt somebody. So today, Jesus is baptized. And if we know anything about baptism, and if we know anything about Jesus, then maybe this, this passage of Scripture is just a little perplexing. First, just a few er, uh, verses earlier in Matthew chapter 3. It says that people were coming out to John, confessing their sins and being baptized. And then John the Baptist himself says, I baptize for repentance. So when we think about Jesus in these words, what does Jesus have to confess? Why does Jesus need to repent? And then the 800-pound gorilla asks us, why was Jesus baptized? The thing is, though, Matthew actually tells us, Jesus says, let it be now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And these are one of these answers that sounds just as perplexing as the question. Fulfill all righteousness? Isn't Jesus already righteous? What does he have to fulfill? But perhaps Jesus has someone else in mind, besides himself, who he will fulfill all righteousness for. Take, for example, the fact that Jesus made it all the way out into the wilderness, to the Jordan River, to stand in line with a bunch of sinners, ready and willing to confess their sins. Not an easy walk. Not a great destination. But by virtue of him standing in line, he takes on the position of a sinner even though he's sinless. And if that wasn't peculiar enough, if that wasn't radical enough, it's not that Jesus just goes and stands in line with them and cheers them on. He actually wades out into the water and is baptized. You see, Jesus isn't really too concerned about whether people will think he's a sinner. He's not really too concerned about what people will say about him because of the people he hangs out with. But he's very concerned. He's sure bent on showing his solidarity with these people. Because he's seen with sinners, John's reaction is all the more telling. See, Jesus joins this solidarity movement. Not just to join it, but to actually do something about it. He actually does everything about it. Now, most Christians do restrict Jesus' saving work to the cross because they have a tendency to divide the cross from the rest of his life. But today in the Gospel reading, already in baptism, Jesus is revealing his work on the cross because he's already revealing how he's going to save mankind from their sin. Martin Luther once said about Jesus that he's with us in the mud and he works so hard that his skin smolders. I think it's a great image. It's a fun image. Jesus' solidarity with the repentant sinner demonstrates how he's really not too concerned about getting his hands dirty. 
He's not really concerned about getting dirty, but in fact is ready and willing to take on that filth of our lives and carry it with him to the cross. And his skin smolders, probably because he's working so hard to save mankind from their sin. Jesus' mission of doing the Father's will isn't easy. Perhaps many of us do think it's easy for Jesus because, hey, he's God. How hard can that be? He can do whatever he wants. But today's gospel reading gives us something to think about. Because rather than working from on high, way up in heaven, rather than keeping his hands clean from the dirt of our sin, or even worse, washing his hands of us, comes down. He turns things upside down and does his work from the bottom up, not from the top down. See, rather than somebody sending somebody to clean up our mess, God himself, God in the flesh, gets dirty by getting down in the dirt of our lives and he does the things he doesn't need to do. Not only did Jesus not have to be baptized because he was sinless, he didn't have to save the world as he did. But he saved it this way for us. So his skin smolders because cleaning up is hard work. And this cleaning up, making right of what went wrong, is what Jesus is all about. And that is repentance at its core. For all those who are standing in line waiting to be baptized, to confess their sins, to repent, Jesus is going to make right what went wrong. And he's actually going to finish what they can never finish. Because it's only Jesus who makes right. You see, Jesus doesn't stand in line with us in the mud and work hard just for himself. I mean, who stands, who goes into the mud, who works so hard for, that their skin actually smolders just for himself? Nobody does. Who, who needs the headache? But see, Jesus is not about himself. Jesus' life is totally turned outward. He does it for the world. He does it for you. His life, his death, his resurrection is completely oriented to doing the things that he doesn't need to do. Now, Paul, in the epistle reading, in Romans chapter 6, verse 6, says that those who are baptized are now baptized to walk a new life. So each of us who have been baptized are now reoriented through baptism and actually encouraged by the other sacraments of this new life. This new public life. And like Isaiah says, not shouting out, not showing off, but simply showing up for the opportunities of doing the things you don't need to do. Like getting in line with other sinners. Like being with them so that you might work hard at ground level to bring them to Jesus. Now you might say to yourself, Pastor, I don't save anyone, and that is true, of course, because Jesus does. But the Christ in you, the Christ in you that is the Christian life, 
is all about others. It's no longer about yourself. I mean, there is a lot of work to do. You have no time to pay attention to yourself because your life now is totally turned outward. Jesus paid the price for your sin on the cross. He's earned your salvation, and he's given to you free of charge through the preaching of the good word, through the preaching of the gospel. He's done everything. You don't need good works for your salvation. But your neighbor definitely needs your good works. In baptism, you are purified from living in the world and like the world, so that you might live in the kingdom of God and like children of God. And like Jesus, you now enter into a very public life that works very hard and gets dirty for the salvation of the world. You don't need to do anything for your salvation. But you need to do the things you don't need to do because your, need, your neighbor needs you to do them. Now, at 11.15 today, there will be a baptism. And that child, when she rises from the waters, will enter into a very public life. That's why we have our baptisms in the worship service, because it is a public event. It's a testimony to the life that that baptized child will live. And that life is the public witness program of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A public life that's not afraid of what the world will say or what other people will say about you standing in line with sinners. A public life who will work so hard in front of the world that your skin will smolder by leading others to Jesus Christ. A public life that works so hard at doing the things you don't need to do, but your neighbor needs you to do. A public life of making right what went wrong. The public life of Jesus Christ. You see, our Lord was active 2,000 years ago in the Jordan and on the cross, and he'll be active today in the waters again. And he'll be active in your own life. And like him not being concerned with himself anymore, so are you. You are not concerned with yourself anymore, but you're totally bent on standing in line with the sinner to lead them to salvation. So that 800-pound gorilla that's in the room, let's address it. Why was Jesus baptized? Jesus was baptized for you, that you might meet him in the waters so that he might raise you up to walk with him, to work with him in the kingdom, to be like him, a child of God. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.